Hello, I hope you're having a lovely day, morning, night, evening, whatever time it is for you. So, this podcast shall be about the book that I'm researching and writing on the history of synth. Now, before I go into it, um, I do want to say that my last few podcasts have been basically me reading a poem that I've written and leaving it at that. I do wish to explain that I decided to go with that format after it was suggested to me because originally I thought about um, doing it in a way where I would um, read the poem and then discuss it a bit Um, but somebody said it's better if you just leave it to the interpretation of the listener which I thought about and I thought actually that is true because as someone who's an avid reader and I do listen to a lot of um, different things whether it's poetry or stories as well um, I and even music I suppose you can say that I do find that I'd like it better when I can apply my own thought process or my own feelings that I receive from the particular words or melody or what have you so therefore um, whenever I do read a poem it will be in the format that I have been doing it and one more little thing so the founder and the beloved was the only three-part poem that I've written that I know of because I keep finding poems that I've written I don't remember writing because whenever I think of anything I just start writing and sometimes it'll be in a scrap of paper sometimes it'll be in a random book or a journal Oh, journal usually, not a book. I would never deface a book. That's terrible. Um, But you get my point. So I've been finding a lot of works that I didn't even know I wrote. And then I was like, ha, I wrote that? Okay. So, yeah, almost all of the poems are sound. Well, they are all standalones apart from The Founder and the Beloved, uh, which I hope you enjoyed. Um, Now let's move on to my book. I've created a mind map or some people might know it as a spider diagram to break down the different sections so I can visualize the book and it's really helped me uh thus far I've already gotten up to 10 to 15 percent of the book done which is quite an achievement if you really think about it lots of people they just sit there for years and years and never think of anything they can write um I'm showing off now okay I'm not that good but at the pace that I'm moving I do hope that it should be finished in a good amount of time. I can't give an exact deadline at the moment, but I hope it is done soon. Um, so, going straight in. I hope to call the book A Glimpse into Synth, with the subheading The History, the Heritage and the People, which is self-explanatory about what the book is about. Um, obviously, the first thing that the reader will find upon opening the book will be the contents and the list of images and maps used. Obviously um, what I hope to do is what a lot of the resources that I've been using have um, stated where they hoped that people in the future who are researching SYNTH or even any particular aspect of SYNTH can use their works as reference points and I hope the same thing and you know, maybe somebody in the future might think, hey, this book might be worth looking at, fingers crossed, and, uh, you know, want a particular section because that's their focus. Um, And, of course, while I was 
creating the spider diagram slash mind map, I did start writing down ideas for standalone books that I hope to also do. Uh, I'll discuss that more in another podcast. This is primarily about this mind map that I've created. Um, So after the contents, we have the introduction. Now, the introduction, I decided to personalize a bit. Um, I've been thinking a lot about being a Sindhi girl in a very non-Sindhi environment because I've grown up in London. I've barely spent maybe a few years as a very young child in Pakistan, in Sindh. So I wasn't really aware or conscious of this entire heritage or culture that I belong to. Now, I am half Sindhi and half Balochi, but um, and I hope again to do more research because I have been doing a little bit of research on my Balochi heritage, heritage as well. I do hope to cover a bit of that um, further down along the line, but uh, one thing at a time. Uh, so with Sin, because I also had the privilege of doing a mini Sin tour and I've been able to go to some of the most amazing excavation sites and old, you know, places of heritage and culture and just these beacons of civilizations, which when you look at it, when you're there, you're, you just think these people, they existed so long ago and yet you know, look at what they created. I always am in awe of history and the creations of the past and it was a real pleasure to be able to go to some of these places. I do hope to go back and I hope to see even more of what's there to offer because there's so much more that I still haven't seen. Um, And so in the introduction, I shall be writing about uh, my own experience as someone who decided to discover more about her own in her, uh, uh, her, well, heritage really um and so what led to the researching and writing of this book as well as the importance of the knowledge um and the necessity of further research and preservation of said knowledge so after the introduction i decided to insert a timeline which i've already created yay (laughs) um so the timeline is an idea which i got from the resources that I have been studying. Um, It's a good idea to have like a breakdown of how old we have, uh, we can trace back the land of Sintu because at one point it used to be an entire country and now it's just a region. So um, from the history and the geographic evidence we have um, to support the history, that timeline can sort of break it down for the reader um or the researcher hopefully and then that leads to how old Sindh is and where it is so obviously again the geological studies the historical records and the present day locations um which in turn would lead to the rulers and the conquerors so the dynasties that have ruled the full territories as well as part of the territories or the regions after it starts to get divided up into regions as well as the different empires that conquered and ruled or even um, had diplomatic relations by the means of uh, marriage or trade. I hope to cover a bit into that and then that's hopefully going to be one of the standalone books in the future but for now uh, this shall be a section of the book.
Um, and that in turn will lead to the religious changes that have been caused by the different uh, rulers and conquerors, obviously, and how that influenced the people, as well as all the different religions that have dominated um, either the region as in its entirety or parts of the region. Um, and the evidence still present from the old religious practices I do also wish to kind of um, reiterate that the fact that whenever there has been a conqueror or an empire that has sort of taken over a particular place or region, their own belief and cultural system has somehow crept into that of the place that they have, well, taken over, really, and... Um, so that shall also be discussed. And that's happened all around the world, not just, obviously, since. So, again, this this was an interesting part for me to research because I am still researching it and I am still compiling this. But it it is, from what I found so far, it's really incredible, um, some of the stuff. Um, and that, in turn, leads to the cultural traditions, how the, they've changed due to time, religion, region, status and modernization, as well as the mannerisms and code of conduct, which is not as formal as it sounds. Um, And that brings us to the heritage, which um, has been left behind um, in in the form of um, monuments and the art, the culture, as well as the tribal divisions and the old royal families. And the choices that people have made to either preserve or destroy the heritage because, unfortunately, with the changing tides, the changing rulers, as well as the changing attitudes of different people, as well as the different people coming in to try and dominate whichever land they've decided to conquer, there is this terrible habit that humans have had of either defacing or destroying certain cultural landmarks or heritage or documents or even looting it and that creates lost heritage and it's I think every part of history should be preserved so that future generations as well as present generations can learn from it can hopefully study it and understand it and maybe see a better way to be or even learn certain things from it because there are certain niceties from the past which we could incorporate in our life as well as some bad things from the past which we can learn from and say hey never again um and that brings us to the language itself now the language of Sindh is obviously Sindhi um the people of Sindh are also Sindhi um so the language and the people are called the same um obviously (laughs) um but i will be discussing briefly how far it can be dated how the time has changed it as well as how stepping into the world is still changing it for there are sindhis all around the world and this is another thing that i've recently been becoming more aware of so i had the pleasure of attending a sindhi world congress day on uh, in London, sorry, um, in November, and there's going to be another one in Canada this month, I think next week, oh, already, and there's going to be one in Australia, uh, maybe near the end of the year, so 
and they've been doing these all around the world to kind of introduce other people to the culture as well as well as their own people because unfortunately one of the effects of um people moving to other places is that the culture or the um histories are often lost uh, as i explained that was the case with me i didn't know much about it until i started to grow interested and um start researching it um into it myself uh which then brings me to my next section which will be sufism and uh, i shall be explaining what it is uh and how it's a branch of religion that is not fully understood um you know how far sufism goes what it means for one to be a sufi as well as the singers because they are i suppose a very important part um as much as i've kind of come across them um and that again will lead to poets so art poetry and um the singers the music it's a huge part i believe of sindhi culture that i've myself have personally observed um and the poets uh, i shall be discussing um will be the people who have the wordsmiths rather who have captured the culture who've conserved the histories and the heritage and they've even provided some form of a guide for enlightenment in their own ways um and it shall also lead me to my next section which is about stories myths and legends rather it will be about that um and these are the old stories that have reflected the changing times and attitudes as well as the uh, thoughts of the past as well as eye opening thought provoking factors that happened or can happen and the heroes and hero- heroines of these stories have set examples to follow because a lot of them are based on real people whose real shrines or graves you can still visit it's incredible because um some of these people are ext- like especially for me as a as a woman some of these women were extremely empowering especially if you look at the time that they were um alive in and the lack of um privileges i suppose is a good word they had in owing to their the time and environment and well everything really um and then it brings me to my next section which will be crafts and craftsmen or women um so the traditional art of sin the handicrafting skills the esteem of the ajrak uh now the ajrak is um it's okay it looks like a scarf or a shawl um and in truth really it is supposed to be worn on the shoulders like one however um properly made it can take up to 3 months because all of it is hand dyed and hand decorated and hand crafted really um it's traditionally made with indigo dye Th- these are the things i've discovered so far about the ajrak i have quite a few ajraks and ajrak based things at home and one of the most beautiful things about this particular because there are lots of um textiles scarves and clothes but the ajrak has its own esteem because the way you honor 
guests you're welcoming into your own home or people in general is by putting an ajrak on their shoulder and thus telling them that, um, you know, this is us showing you respect. And I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to say something without even saying anything. Um, as well as um, the jewellery and the clothes and the colours on the people who adorn them. Because I found that the four primary colours, uh, red, yellow, blue and green, have, for me at least, or for many Sindhis, have become the colours of sin um, in their proper, proper primary form, when they're together. Um, while the Ajarok itself is blue and red, um, indigo and red, um, traditionally now obviously as times went on people did experiment with different colors but traditionally it is um indigo and red um and a bit of white and black as well but uh the colors uh the primary colors they are usually when they're together and you and you're used to seeing cindy things you will kind of go oh that's cindy so i've gone into many western stores and i've seen these four colors just brought together in anything whether it's a shirt or a bracelet and i'm like oh that's cindy i know it's not but it's cindy <laughs> it looks cindy to me so um i shall be discussing that in more detail and as i'm writing these things um so hopefully i'll have podcasts dedicated to these particular sections when i have sort of completed them. I won't be reading out the entire sections to you, but I will be telling you what I found and whatnot. Um, and the next uh, two sections shall be the present and the future. So the present will be speaking about the modern day region of Sindh as well as how the culture is being preserved, studied and promoted. So the promoted I've already talked about, the Sindhi conferences that are held around the world um, by the different Sindhi communities and the preservation and studies so some of the excavated sites and some of the cultural um things are studied um so when i say things i do mean the art forms the um literature or even the music um but a lot of it still needs to be studied and that's the future part of the book where how the study and the preservation is so important because many people have not heard of Sindh. Many people don't know what Sindhi is. And I'm assuming a lot of the listeners would have heard of Sindh for the first time because of this podcast. Because, well, unless, of course, you are Sindhi and you were like, hey, let's see what she's saying. Um, it's unfortunately become one of those cultures which, unless you come across or decide to research, you won't know much about so um, I should also be discussing in that particular section the steps that need to be taken, ought to be taken. Um, and then my penultimate section shall be a terminology. Well, technically it's not the penultimate one. This will be my third from last because there are two more sections, although I'm kind of, I've kind of merged them, but they are two different sections. Um, so... Terminology will basically be like, so just as I um, said the word ajrak and then I had to explain that to you, the listener, I hope to create a list of words which can't really be properly translated but need to be explained because that's one of the beauties of language. Some languages have their own little words for certain things which 
can't really be translated into other languages. Um, so that shall lead us to the index. Again, self-explanatory what that is. And the references. So that's why I kind of said I merged them together. Because the references will just be telling you all the resources used. So, <laughs> that was a long explanation. But these are the different sections that I've decided to devote in this one book. Um, and or devote this one book too, rather. And... I will hopefully be um, doing more research and actually I've already started doing more research into certain factors so I hope to do more in uh, research into um, topics which I feel a chapter is not enough for. Um, again, I will do another podcast to discuss those things because I feel like this has been long enough um, in terms of the discussion and me talking at you. Uh, so it's better if I do another one where I just talk about the standalone books I intend and hope to do. So I hope um, that made sense to you. And I'm sorry if it's made you fall asleep. It wasn't my intention, but hey, um, sweet dreams, I suppose. Um, <laughs> anyways, I've already been rambling on for 21 minutes. Well, over 21 minutes. So... I shall end this podcast uh, soon, so toodle pips for now, and um, hopefully I shall do another one with my poem, and when I've completed another section, I shall hopefully do a podcast for that too. Sweet dreams again, or, you know, have a nice day. Bye!